she wrote about the Purim related things and there in chapter 10 he writes that uh, he starts by quoting someone very recently who wrote about this Purim and goes on to say that whoever, whoever wrote this clearly was not familiar with the article by the Danish, the, the chief rabbi of Denmark, his name was David Simonson, lived about 100 years ago or so. He wrote an article in a journal in French 100 years ago or so where he argued that Saragossa is not Saragossa in Spain at all. It's actually referring to Syracuse, the original Syracuse, which is in Italy, southern Sicily. And he says, if you look in the, the Ksavim from those days, you'll see that Syracuse was referred to in Hebrew as Saragusa. Last year when we spoke about uh, reading the Megillah in other languages, so it actually had to do with Rivash. Rivash lived in Saragossa. We noted that the way it was written is Sarkasta. That was uh, Saracosta. That was how, at least at that time, it was written in Hebrew, which is a bit different than Saragossa or Saragusa. And uh, this Simonson, when he wrote about it, he says, ah, oh. so the way he understands it is the descendants of those Jews who had been expelled from Sicily in the 1490s, and they ended up in Salonika and Greece and Smyrna and Turkey, but they're the ones who are still celebrating this Chag. And other scholars after him, if you look it up, a lot of them seem to accept that it's, it's if anything, it's Syracuse, not Saragossa. We know that in the 1800s, not too long ago, we have evidence that they were celebrating this Chag there, B'Poyal Mamish and Yerushalayim. Uh, someone in the 1880s printed the Megillah in Yerushalayim and said, we have people here that celebrate it. The way he writes it is, the, the, they celebrate it here just like they celebrate it back home in Saragossa. But you know, clearly he didn't actually research and figure out where Saragossa is and whether there are Jews there right now. He just, you know, there, there were Jews in Yerushalayim who were observing it. Then later in the 1910s, another person printed uh, this, the text of the Megillah. And right there he mentions that there's this minic still in Yerushalayim. And as late as the 1930s, there was someone, Bitzchak Badhav, who uh, describes how he grew up and they would do this. And even he was still keeping the tradition going in Yerushalayim as late as the 1930s. But there are, there are questions about the, the text of this Megillah. There are questions about the story, and Horowitz's conclusion is, is that the other perms that we know of that are documented are from the 1500s. Cairo, Crete, Algiers, that's when you start seeing Maisim Shahayu and the perms beginning. He says the earliest mention and the earliest copy of this Megillah that we know about of Megillah Saragossa is all from the 1700s. But mysterious. So his conclusion is, is that maybe uh, there were a group of people that felt left out. You know, uh, they have a Purim, they have a Purim. Well, that's his. Uh, that's his supposition. He contrasts that with Purim Cairo, where we know the the history that the, of the story happened, and it's mentioned not too long afterwards. Even there, he gets into some of the details, and he has you know how artists. So it looks like. Uh, we're starting up with uh, the famous uh, story, the famous uh, holiday. I hope it's okay to challenge uh, Purim Saragossa. But interestingly, I saw that 10 years ago or so, someone printed a little seferal called Purim Saragossa Balocha Ba'agada. He got a scum. It looks like he's trying to maybe uh, rekindle some interest in this topic. 
That's, at this point, it seems like all of these types of uh, Purims have been forgotten. They're not really observed anymore. So he mentions, oh yeah, there's, there's other people say other things. That's now he doesn't want to get into that. He's you know not very happy about this whole uh, phenomenon of people asking questions about it. But even he mentions that in the Tafish Mems, someone printed a sefer in Algiers and writes that he heard a story that happened in Livorno in Italy. Again, some Isa, the same Isa that they used to, when the king or the queen, they would meet them, they would uh, take the sifter out. Then at some point, they had a close call. And then he even concludes and says, and that's why in Livorno, they stopped using cases. So they figured, you know what, forget the whole case, let's just stick to you know, the Mashkenazi uh, minig of just the mantle. So even he acknowledges that it seems like the story uh, on its own, without a, a portum attached to it, seemed to travel around. Anyway, whoever, whoever's interested in knowing about Purim and Saragossa, Palmamish, so like I said, last year we spoke about the Chuvas of the Rivash and Iran, that's uh, Indian and Halacha that was written at the time that's related to Saragossa. Now, that's just the Maimon HaMuskar. Now, there are, let's say, dozens of other uh, examples of these types of Purims. Most of them seem to be from Svaradi countries, a few from Ashkenazi countries, some are more famous, some are less. And it, indeed it seems like it started Taka in the 1500s, and as we shall see in a moment from the, the, the main shuva on the topic. And this Horowitz Taka writes later on, when, when did this thing start? So the first one we know about, the first ones we know about are Cairo and Crete. The Mysa in Cairo happened in 1524, although the first mention of the Purim is 30 years later. And by then, we have evidence that Purim in Crete from 1538 was already, uh, was already observed for about 10 years. And then you start seeing it spreading to Algiers. They had something they called Purim Edoim, when uh, the king of Spain's attack failed. And Morocco had one. They often tend to revolve around incidents like this. There was a war, a battle. A battle could have been very destructive. We know from contemporary events how uh, destructive a war could be on a local community, even when they're not perhaps directly the target. And uh, so you start seeing many instances of these observances spreading around this time. And then a bit later, we, f we see the first major one in uh, European countries, Ashkenazim, that's the one in Frankfurt, known as Purim Vincent or Purim Fatmilch. Vincent's Fatmilch was, uh, had started a rebellion against the government, and the Jews were caught in the middle. And in the end, he was captured and punished, and that was a big deal at the time. So that's uh, Purim Frankfurt. And as we shall see, the Chsam Seifer, who was, uh, was originated from Frankfurt, was very proud of this uh, minig that he grew up with. So that's in the 1640s, I believe. 16, no, sorry, 1614, 1616. That seems to be when this idea surfaced and started spreading. And then by the time you, uh, by the time you get to the end of the 1700s, 1800s, like I said, there are dozens of them, big and small. But I wanted to get into the halachic side of this Indian. What is the halachic basis? for creating a new Purim, a Yomtev like this, and in, to, some, to some extent, what does, this, what does this say about potential uh, celebrations nowadays for things that happened more recently? And the Chlal, Takonis. What is the power of Takonis? 
So the, the main source on this topic that everyone's been signed to is Shut Maram Alashkar Simen Memtes. So just Bekitsa Maram Alashkar, Ramesh Alashkar was born in the 1460s in Spain, was expelled from Spain, ended up in Tunis. At some point, Spain caught up with them there. He ended up moving to Libya, to Greece, to Mitzrayim, and then at the end of his life, he passed away in Eretz in 1542, as Chavis, many of them are fairly chashev and famous. So in Simon we find the following Shaila. It starts off, Lepanto. We'll explain what that is in a second. Shaila. So, Anche ir achas heimu beizdinam, tiknu beinem b'charomes u b'askoma g'doyla, aleim b'alzarom, so some community, the people and the basin together made a takana, but not just a takana, because in those days everything came with chayim and as many you know powerful things that can strengthen their takanas. And it wasn't just for them; it was alzaram, ayatav adoylam. That yud aleph tevis should be kiyoyim purim l'chol dvarav. That's the lashon. We should treat it like like Purim in all the, in all respects. Why? To publicize a big nest that happened. It doesn't specify. And part of the Takana included that even if you move and you go live somewhere else, the Takana can never leave you. You always are, have to observe this Takana. So, please tell us. Does uh, do the Ansha'ir Achas have the power to be matakin something like this or not? And if the Takana is a Takana, meaning generally, just basically, can you be matakin a Purim? And if you can, can they be Geyser or Can they make sure that it goes on for posterity? And if they can, but now they've all been expelled from that city, and now they've all settled into other cities and even other uh, kingdoms. Does that, does that haskama follow them wherever they go, or not? Now, very, not many details here. All we know is the first word. The first word is Lepanto. Lepanto is a place. Lepanto today is known as Nafpaktos in Greece. It's near the, near the coast. Um, back in the day, we know there were a lot of wars taking place in that area. The Italians, the Turks, were fighting over uh, these territories. And uh, so we know Lepanto was controlled by Venice in the 1400s. And they called it Lepanto, so that's where the name Lepanto is known from. And then the Turks captured it in 1499... There was a big battle in 1571 where uh, they fought over it. And it mostly stayed under Ottoman control until Greece finally became independent much, much later. Now, you look around, you look at the people that make lists of Purims, so a lot of people assume that the Purim relates to a nest, to some kind of rescue, where we said many of them are battle-related, so it must have been one of these battles with regards to Lepanto. And I, in fact, I've seen many sources write, oh, it was in 1571. But it's obvious that it can't have been in 1571 because Maram Alashkar was asked about it and Maram Alashkar passed away in 1542. So obviously can't be that. I saw, I found a handbook of JLI uh, that writes, uh, for instance, the Greek city of Lepanto 
was seized from the Venetians by the Ottomans in 1499. Okay, so they, they used 1499. That can, that can work. Uh, there's no surviving description of the danger and rescue, just that there was a Purim Lepanto on Yudal of Tevis. We know this because of Madame Alashkar. The problem with that still is, okay, so they moved the date back, but the problem still is that the Shuva says, And he's writing to Lepanto. So how, how could it be Purim Lepanto? And he's writing to them, but they're expelled. So I found... So, seemingly only in one place, the same Mayor Benayao we mentioned previously, who's a bit expert on this part of the world in this period. So he writes, one of his swarm that he printed, he writes about these cities in Greece, he writes about Lepanto, that Lepanto grew from the destruction of the city of Patras. He says, Mesha Lashkar was asked from Lepanto about a city that had you that celebrated you of Tevis, and now they were all expelled, and he writes in parentheses, Bevadai. Lipatras Lilipanto. He doesn't know for sure, but that's his supposition. And uh, it makes more sense, because we know that Patras, he writes further on, that Patras around the year 1500 was changed hands between the Venetians and the Turks. And we know that Patras Taka was very much destroyed at that point. And we have many other chuvas describing how the people from Patras came to Lepanto and the problems that caused with taxes and things like that. So just for the record, to understand what the history behind the Shiloh was, makes more sense to say that if anything we should call it Port Patras, and they must have been saved during one of the wars around this time, and they wanted to celebrate it, and then they got expelled, and they wanted to continue celebrating it, they wanted to keep their identity even when they were uh, in Lepanto. Now, if you pay attention to the dates... If we talk as say it was around the year 1500, that means this might be, that's, this might make it the earliest of these Purims. Because we said the earliest Purims that we know about are from 1530s, 1520s. So this might move the date back a bit. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't address Maram Alashkar, he doesn't discuss this source. But at least it makes sense. If, you're, if, you, if you were asking why he's the first one to talk about it, it seems like Itaq and Mamish started with around this time with this Shiloh. So now the question is, okay, back to the, the, the Shiloh and the Tshuva, what's, what's the story with this Purim? So Maram Alashka responds as follows, Tshuva, surely Bnei Ha'ir can make Takanis and Askamis and, and Gedorim and Knossos all manner of uh, Takanis that they can... Uh, placed on, on, on themselves, on the members of the community, even if it's not even Alpid and Taira. So it's quoting from Gemaras, Baba Basra, Rashoim Bnei'ir, Lahasnes Alhamidis, Valashorim. These are financial related uh, matters, but uh, it's understood that a city has the power to make rules. Quotes of different examples, Bnei'umnas, even Bnei'umnas in a city can gather together and set rules that, uh, that are binding for them. Quotes different Mekaitis to this effect. These Mekaitis also mention that Dafkif there's an Adam Chashuv. There's also an Adam Chashuv involved in the Takana. But if there's no Adam Chashuv, then who are they? But then he goes and says, but Bnei'ir Achas, if it's a city, even if there's no Adam Chashuv, it seems that they can make Takanas and it's binding. 
Um, and this is how it, this is what it seems from the Rambam and the Ramban. Now, when it mentions Adam Chashav, that's b'nei ominous. Only if people of a trade make rules and they need Adam Chashav to strengthen it. But Anshir, they don't need anybody's agreement. They don't need anybody's stamp of approval. Just as Rashi and Anshir, they can get together and set rules. They don't need a skamas Adam Chashav beer. Kolshikain heimu base dinam. If the base din is involved. All the better. So that's, and that's, of course, relevant to this question where we said it was them and Beis Dinam. It goes on to say, you know, there are a lot of Inyanim here that are Yisraelistic in this whole Tchum of Takanas. So it's one way of familiarizing with uh, oneself with these ideas. He says, even to be Mafkir Momen, that belongs to someone, you want to be Mafkia, the Momen, Mafkir the Momen, they can do that. Gemara, it says, how, how do we know you can do that? That if you don't come on time, and of course we have with Shemitah, the idea being that Shemitah, I think the Moscon is, that Shemitah is Mashmit, Ksofim Deir Aysa. Hill was Metakin, the light Tashmit, Hafker based in Hafker. So you have a Chayv Biyad Aloyve, Zachabay Minatayra, and Chachamim can take it away and give it to the mouth of a prisoner. Obviously that's Chachamim, but he's, he's taking from that that even Anshayir have this power. He quotes the Rambam in Hilchasen Adrin, that yesh in lahafkir momen, sheyesh lebailim, that if there's a good reason for it, a dayan is able to grab people's property, confiscate it. Everyone agrees to this. And the Rajvah wrote that Tzibur in Shobreiramein. The Tzibur and the Beistin, they both, they both have the same power. So getting back to the topic at hand. So Kolshikein over here, Tiknu Takanosam, Heim U Beistinam, both the Tzibur and the Beistin, and there's nothing against them, Taira Adrava, Pursumein Issa. What else should you be metakin if not this? Takanos of a Sikani, it's a great Takanah. We see it, Chacham or Metakin Abracha, even for a Yachid, so, being attacking uh, something like this, what about the length? How long does a takana like this last? So he says, And that's even if they didn't spell it out. They didn't say, they didn't mention their children. It's for sure Chal Alzaram Alzarazaram. Where do we see this? The Mice of Pilagash Begiva. The Mice of Pilagash Begiva, by the time they were through, they swore that Ishmi Menu, Layitin, Bitoy, Lebinyamin, Leisha. We're not, not letting Binyamin marry our daughters. And we see that they, they, kept, they kept to it, they stuck to it. Gamma Dairis Aboyim. Until at some point they came and they darshan and they said, Oh, we said Ishmi Menu, Layitin, Bitoy. So mimenu v'leimi b'neinu. They came and they reevaluated the whole uh, the whole gzeda. So kumtois that if they hadn't said this word mimenu, which allowed for this drasha, if they had said ishla yitain, then they'd be stuck. There would be no way out. and would be chal aladeres aboim. Kol if they would say mimenu mizareinu, then there would be nothing you could do about it. And this is like the Gzeda of Yeshua Ben-Nun. Yeshua Ben-Nun said, And we see that the order, the curse, carries over many, many years. And there was no, it didn't spell out. Uh, it was stamp. He quotes the Ramban. One of the Ramban's smaller works is called Mishpat Acherem, 
But the Ramban is trying to explain how these things work. And the Ramban, he quotes the Ramban as saying, Shekena din b'chol Kabbalah sarabim, the Rabbim is makabal something, it's chal on them, al zaram, like we see with Kabbalah Satayra. How does Kabbalah Satayra work? It all comes down to some sort of agreement. We're all coming together and uh, agreeing that something is binding. It's all essentially the same mechanism, so the same mechanism uh, continues to work. Not only that, even if there was no official uh, declaration, there was no Kibla Aleim Erbas Kama. Let's say they just started on their own. There was a Geder, a Siagla Taina. It's also binding for the people afterwards. So, for example, in Perak Makam Shinagu, it says that Bnei Beishon, which is short for Beis Sha'an, they wouldn't go from Tzur to Tzidon on Erev Shabbos. Shouldn't share with Hanas the Shabbos. And they came to Rebbech and they said, this worked for our ancestors, but it's very, we can't handle this. We need to be able to go. There was a market, whatever it was. And he said, for Kiblu Aleim Aveseichem, Uksiv, Shema Bnei Musa Ravicha. So it sounds like there's nothing you can do about it. There wasn't, there wasn't even an official uh, event where they declared this as a Xeran still. So we also find the Megillah's Tainus, and it's brought in Bakoma uh, Arvin, that Omer Elizabeth Tzadik, and I am from in Tainus, you have about the, the carbon Eitzim. The, 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 they used to bring the Eitzim, the different families had this tradition, they had their date every year, they would bring the Eitzim, it was a big Simcha. So Rosalind of says, I'm a descendant of the family that does it on Yud Av. That's the date. And once Tisha B'Av fell out on Shabbos, so the fast was Nidcha to Sunday Yud Av. So now, do we fast or do we uh, do our family Yom Tif? So he said, we fasted, but we weren't mashlin the fast. What's Pshat? So he says, right? their ancestors had the girl of Karbana Yitzim and Asad B'Av, Yimei Ezra, the whole thing started in Bimei Ezra when those families actually came and gave wood and it was needed. And then it just turned into an annual tradition, a Yom Tev every year. And Agav, there's a, the Parshas Vayikra, there's a Sikha from the Rebbe on this Indian in Chilak of Bez, Vayikra Bez, a very uh, beautiful Hasbur on the Indian of Karbonatesim, the significance of Karbonatesim. Oh, it's the ultimate Bittal. And the Blessed of Tzadik lived Bechal after the Churban. Right? He's fasting on Tishra. He's after the Churban. But because his Zaydis used to bring the Karban Eitzim on that day, and it was a family Yomtif, so even when the Beis HaMikdash is gone and the Eitzim are gone, but the Yomtif stays for the family. Al-Kadekach, that it's overriding Tishra B'Nitcha. And it's just a minute Ba'alma. And we see the, the power, and we see that, No Guboy Abonim Adoylam. So, in Sarach Leimar, back to here, that they were machrim and the takana, and they included zarim as a razarim, befeidah, shechala, akzeda, aleim, adaylam. So that's his stance, that's his take on the takana itself. It's just as powerful as all these things in the Chazal, there's no difference. What about the question about the fact that now they all were expelled, they ended up somewhere else? So he gets into the whole Indian of how does it work? He says the maskana from these sugyas in the Gemara is, is that it all depends essentially what your intentions are. If you move somewhere and your intention is to stay there and not to return, then all your monogam are transformed to match the place where you move to, the chumra and the kula. 
And Meidach, if you plan on returning to your original location, then all the Chumnes and Kulis of your original location stick to you. There's examples from Chulun, and Chulun it says that Abzeda and Eretz Yisrael ate the Mugremes, Hagrama and Shechita. So the Machlekes, if you're allowed to eat it or not, um, so in Eretz Yisrael, they were Mater. And Bavol, Rav and Shmuel Asert. He moved to Eretz Yisrael, he started uh, being Mater. I raised no Chumnei Makam Shiyatsa Misham. Mar says, no, that's the Dayat Elachzer. In Dayat Elachzer, so he took on the coolest of Eretz Yisrael. Rabzeda. But if he had planned on going back, then it would be the reverse. He would follow Mirin Mekayim Ayafil Lahakal. Where do we see that? In Parak Makam Shinagurav Abarachana, when he came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, he ate a certain shum and a certain chalav that uh, in Eretz Yisrael they were matter, and in Bavel they used to answer. Aye, what about Chumni Makam Shahalach Lasham? No, Daitilach Zilaharzai. So he was Makal if he were where he came from. Now the question is, why, were they, why did they ask you this in Bavel? What's the level of Isser that he's ignoring because he's still following Minigai Tisrael? So the Rajman Tshuva writes that it wasn't even Psagedar, it was Mamash they held, it was Minadin and Minataira. The Rosh writes that it was a Minikhashiv, or Pitamid Chachamim, but not quite that level. And the Rosh concludes, in this, in, when he did, in this discussion, the Rosh concludes and says, this idea that if you move somewhere, you fall and you're planning on moving there, then it's Ben Lakula, Ben Lachumra, like Rabzeira, he adopted the Minagam Eretz Yisrael. And the reverse, Rabba Barachana, because he was planning on going back, he followed the Chumras and Kulas of where he came from. But Dafka Pitsina, you know, the Chelev is no one knows which part of the meat you're eating at home. So for Hesya, you don't want to cause friction. It's a different discussion. He quotes Taran. Taran says, whether you say it was the Chelev that they didn't eat in Bavo, whether you say it was the Chumra, whether it was, they held it was Medina, but uh, either way, he uh, clearly uh, clearly was Mekel. The Ran says, we see from here that in Titus HaMenhagas, when it comes to the union of Menhagim, any minute that's also in one place, as long as it's not a minute Batos, which is its own category, whether it's a Siog, or it's a Machlekes, and they paskin like the ones who Aser, so you're Chayv Minadin to follow that, that minute of Psak. And if you leave and you plan on coming back, you're still mechayev to that. If you move somewhere else, then you lose the then the, your old city isn't binding anymore. So then it's Then that's a, that's a different story. So Zakta Maram Alashker. So based on this whole vort, so Misha Dirasai Mir Achas So it sounds like. Take, all the Takanas, are Nifka. Even a Dover Shal Iser, Mamesh Yisurim, so Kol Shikein Aminig, Shein Bay Shum Iser, like here, so put him. So it would seem that once they moved, puff, the perm is gone. Why should their Haskama be more Chamer than an Iser Hagrama Shal Taira? Even an Iser Hagrama Shal Taira, it all depends on whether you're fully moving or not. But then he backs off of that and he says, Hayoyes had said, Befetish in their Haskama, that even if they change their place, the Takana doesn't go off. So then, whatever they said is binding. 
Because you can make, we said earlier, that you can be attacking whatever you want for your children, for your descendants, and it's binding. So why not include that as well? That could also, that could also be binding. Well, that's its own uh, question. Uh, that's its own historical question and where that comes from. Someone here asked me about it recently. First marker we have about it is like 150 years ago. It's not uh, a classic example of something that's clear-cut and fetish. But, yeah, something like that. Um, <clears throat> and it says, anyway, we're mechalak between this and the mugremes. Because there you could say that Abzaida held it was mutter all along. He just, it was Neig Isser Babavel because he wanted to follow Rav and Shmuel. The second he came to Eretz Yisrael, he was able to finally act himself and do what he really thought, what he really felt. So he never felt it was really binding for him. Here, the Chrimu they accepted it as binding for them. So Abzai, even when you leave the city, you're going to say, Nikra Gzardinam, Yim Slakim and Acherim, why should that change all of a sudden? So therefore, Hilchach, even though, even if this Tanah had not been written, there would probably have to be Mekayimit B'chol Makim. Like a Blazer B'Rab Tzadik, back to the, the families with the Karbanetzim. So after the Churban, they probably lived somewhere else, they still kept the family Minig, so you see that it follows you around. So Kal Shekein, when it was Mamish in the Haskama, that it's Chal for everyone, forever, wherever, then that's, it's binding. Who's the big bar plukta of Maram al So the big bar plukta is the Pri Chadash. Pri Chadash lived in the, the second half of the 1600s in Eretz Yisrael. Last time I spoke about his Shver. Sefer Pri Chadash is well known. So in Simon Tav Tzadik Vav, where it talks about Yantav Shalgalias, so it talks, the Shulchan Aruch mentions, Bnei Eretz Yisrael, Chutzlar, it's that whole parsha. So he says, oh, this is an opportunity to talk about this whole topic of Minhagi Isser. You follow, you have a minute of Isser, how does it apply, when does it apply? So he has a tremendous idea there, maybe in the next uh, installment we'll be able to get to other details, but uh, here, we're just going to focus on Sif Yadalad. He says, you have Yechidim B'dereinu, that, that Nisim, they make it a Yom Tefudayrus. Chaymi Mitzrayim, Oid Hayayim, Eidolam Nes Godol, Shekavu Oisa, Yemishter Simcha L'dayrus, Shivas Maram Alashka, Yudal of Tevis, so, you need to know, is there a basis for this or not? So he starts off by quoting about Megillah's Tainus, and there's this word there that, Af onu mechav v'nes ha-tzaris, of oman nasesh, and banu lichtiv, eno onu ma-speaking, there are too many, too many tzaris, too many atzalas. So his first impression is, that if you want to be mechav of the tzaris, and the shavach la-kadosh baruch hu, then you can make a yamtif. And Ebezoi should have the power to be doicha tisha bav nitcha, and he quotes that whole Indian. But then he says, Ah, I know these are all Dirashos. Stam, people are getting together and having a party. It's very nice. It's Dirashos. And they can't be Deicha anything. Even if you did it a few years, you can stop at any point without Hatara. And the children surely don't have to continue it if they never want to cobble it. Because it's a Minik Batos. Whoa, how did he get from here to there? He says, Because it says in Rosh Hashanah, the Batla Megillah's Tainis. So, Bazai. Sounds like all of these types of Yerat Megillah's times was full of these types of uh, special days, exciting days, things that happened during Bayashani. Sounds like that whole category is bottle. Can't say, oh, maybe those are bottle, but now we can add new ones. 
Because now the Gemara talks about, it says that Gimel Tishrei, they stopped mentioning Hashem's name in the Shtaris, and that was a good thing. They didn't want Hashem's name to be rolling around. So they made it a Yom Tif. The Gemara says, the early ones, and now we're adding new ones. So from the Gemara's Kasha, you see that the Gemara's Mufrech, that uh, if you revatel the old ones, you can add new ones. So whatever you're adding is just your own personal party, it's the Rishos. And this is all uh, Puki, Madame Alashka, when he, which he wrote, that it's Mamish, so powerful, it's like it was a bit of Tzadik. He says, no, Elizabeth of Tzadik, he holds Le Batl Megillus Tainus, it's a whole different shitta, and that's how we paskin, so Mamela, there are no, there are no such things, there are no Yom Taivim, that's it. And yeah, it's in the Chalak Ben Yochid Larabim, which would be the same thing. However, you look in Yabiya Omer, Vadu Yosef, Chilag Yud, there's a Chaim Simon and Gimel, he rounds up other Achreinim who talk about this. Chaim Abu Lafia lived around the same time, he says, no, the Gemara is talking about for Gans Klai Yisrael. Yeah, Taka, there's no Megillus Tainus, Batla, we can't make something that's binding for Klai Yisrael, but a specific Tzibur, you could be Mechal, I can say that a Tzibur could create a binding day. And the Chidah accepts this as well. The Chsam Seifer, when he talks about Perm Frankfurt, makes this point as well. That's pretty much that discussion. Let's just, let me conclude another minute or two. Today, the direction this discussion has gone in is mainly Yom Atzmot, these types of days in Nevada. Can you say hal? you not say hal? I don't want to get into that. B'chalal uh, and Chabad, we know we don't hold of adding new uh, days of celebration, Stamazoi, and we, ha- we happen to notice that all of these old Purims have expired with time. None of them seem to have lasted. But Pashtos, the Vart is, is that we don't just celebrate uh, good things. We, every celebration has to have a ruchnistic uh, significance, which Torah describes, which Torah explains to us. So if there's a ruchnistic significance, then Mela, we celebrate. But Stam, uh, because we're happy, because we feel safe, that's not the reason. On the other hand, Dafka Chabad is also famous for, uh, pretty legendary for having many of its own uh, new Yom Toivim celebrating this and that. And in fact, it seems like Yutas Kistav to begin with, Maybe Taka had a bit more in mind this old concept of Purim. You see, they wrote up some Megillus Yitzchak And Dafka, when it comes to our uh, special days, the Rebbeim explained Dafka that there's very much a Ruchnistika significance. Uh, the Rabbi Shuchat pointed out to me that there's a Sikh of the Rebbe, Masay, Tavshin Chavzayin, right after the Six Day War. And the Rebbe says, that's Vada, Grace, and Ness. We can't say otherwise. Right? That was a big Yisrael by the Rebbe, that was a big Ness. Chas v'shalom, though, to make it a Yom Tev Hal, we can't add Yom Tevim, the Rebbe says. Because in Kabbalah it explains that Yom Tevim correspond to the Sviris, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, or Chagas, and Chanukah, and Purim, and Yetzach, and Hoid, and Kayudua, there's two days, which one is which? And Lasset Lavei, it says, Shavuos, and Tishabav, and Tishabav, and Yusayid, and Malchus. So there's a Seder, there's a system, we can't just add real Yom Tevim, Isra Malacha, Amidas Halel. Ah, what about you, Beis Thomas, the Rebbe says? Staku Yem Chagulas Yisrael. And Le'asid, Bavad, Gala, Kaddish, Baruch, etc. But no one, it never occurred to anyone to say Hal, even without a bracha. And the Rebbe says it's a pratistic yamtuf, like we find G'dayli Yisrael, that made a personal yamtuf for them, for their mishpacha. We see the Chidah quotes from the Rambam, different uh, letters that are attributed to the Rambam, that he was Kevei, Yamtuvim, for his descendants. We know the taste was yamtuf, I think uh, maybe even the Chassam Sefer quotes it, made for his descendants. So that's, the Rebbe says, that's the category Yud Beis Thomas is in. <coughs> So, Mamela, we see the Rebbe addressing this. I think it's really the two things together. Sai, we're not making it into a full proper yamtif. I have a perm. These perms are not a full proper yamtif. So, but even that, to, 
you have to figure out what the exact Agdara uh, would be. We were giving it a Rechistic significance, and we're saying that it's a, a, a private thing, more or less in the category of those types of poems, but we're not calling it that quite that. And the next share, next installment, I'd like to discuss what we can learn from this, the question of the power of Takanas and how or whether they can expire.